Welcome to Awaken to Sleep Education. Uh, we have a question from somebody who's just signing on to the program, don't we? He wanted to know yes. about setting a bite up. Okay. It's not what we're going to talk about tonight, but I, hey, we are here to help. So, uh, so Mike, let's answer his question. Um, he what, was he asking a question about he's used a MyTap, right, for his wife? Yep. He said, I finally got my wife's AHI and ODI to four and five. Yay. How do you take a bite at this location? Um, hoping for a dream tap. He's current, she's currently in a MyTap. Good. Well, there's actually two ways you can go about this. Uh, one way is to leave her in the MyTap, but you take a pro gauge, which is a device uh, that's available from Airway Technologies, and you kind of estimate where the incisal edges fall, set the pro gauge at that spot, and just simply take a recording there with uh, bite registration material like uh, Evo Clark, like uh, Kettenbox Futar material according to the directions on the pro gauge. That's a super great way to do it because then the MyTap stays with your wife while the DreamTap is being fabricated. Another thing you can do is actually use the MyTap and just send that to the laboratory and say, mount the models with this because it works right here. Now, the problem with that one is she doesn't have the MyTap while you're, the DreamTap is being fabricated. But both of those uh, mechanisms will work just fine. Congratulations, by the way, on getting uh, whatever she came from down to four or under five at least. That's a that's excellent results. I'm sure she's feeling better. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations, Stan. That's awesome, and that's uh, yeah. that's home team. I I would uh, you know as as the non doctor here, I'm gonna say uh, go with the the first recommendation and not the latter because if you take her appliance away, she's probably not gonna be very happy with you. Uh, Which makes me not very happy either. So, yeah. So, in the interest of marital harmony, let's go with a pro game. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Steve. So, as we got, we're at 501, uh, 502. We're going to have a Pacific time, that is, you guys. Uh, I know you're logging in from a lot of different places tonight. So, we appreciate your time. Uh, let's spend maybe a minute or two, Max. Uh, tell us the updates about the ADA, kiddos and everything that's about breathing. What's what's going on there, Steve? You know the inside track. <laughs> you bet, thank you for asking. On the 22nd and 23rd of, of April, we have our fourth ADA Children's Airway event. Now, it's, it's, it's critically important that we help our little kiddos uh, grow up with nice big airways. So they don't end up like, you know, the patients we need to do uh, taps on. But still, we, we have that opportunity and this time we have an amazing lineup of Sharon Moore on Thursday night. She's going to be zooming in from Australia, where she is going to lead us through myofunctional therapy, speech and language pathology, how it works in your practice, or how it works working with someone like herself. She wrote an incredible book called Sleep Wrecked Kids. And every dentist who treats little kids should have piles of those books in their office. On uh, Friday morning, we have two pediatric dentists from uh, Dallas who work together, and that's all they treat is airway issues in, for their little kiddos in Dallas. So they're going to talk about nasal clearing, like I'm going to talk about a little bit tonight, but for little ones, they're going to talk about communicating with their parents. They're going to talk about appliances they use. And then we have Sarush Zaghi, the preeminent expert in removing tethered oral tissues like lip ties and tongue ties and why you should do that and how do you work with a myofunctional therapist along that way. And in a very special event is Dr. Zaghi and his team are recruiting dentists to do clinical research and they make it super simple. So you can do clinical research in your practice and be part of the solution. Part of what changes uh, little kids' airways for generations to come. So it's going to be an exciting event. It's very inexpensive. ADA.org slash CE Live. ADA.org slash CE Live. I hope this, um, we have tons of people on that on that uh, event. We did in December. Let's do it again in April. Awesome. There you go. Man, I, I had no that's idea that you had that whole thing already prepped. I mean that sounds like a that sounds like an awesome awesome course, guys. If you're if you're interested in helping kids breathe better, uh, which also uh, 
tangentially helps their sleep patterns as well, uh, right. you know, definitely check that out. Uh, support the cause. Our kids are worth it. And uh, for those of us that have had kids that have suffered from apnea, I can tell you firsthand, uh, yeah. it matters. So we, we appreciate it. Uh, yeah. So ADA.org backslash CE live, right, Steve? That's it. That's it. Exactly. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So before we go any further, guys, I want to introduce uh, this awesome speaker, lecturer, uh, international phenomenon to you guys tonight. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Dr. Steve uh, has been practicing and treating uh, sleep apnea, obstructive sleep apnea and snoring uh, in the Bellevue, Washington area for a couple of weeks uh, since 1988. Uh, he is a consultant to the ADA for sleep-related breathing disorders. Uh, trained at UCLA's mini residency and is a current diplomat of the American Board of Dental Sleep Medicine. Uh, he lectures internationally, uh, directs sleep education at Airway Technologies and the Pinky Institute, and he guest lectures uh, at Spear, University of the Pacific, and Louisiana State Dental Schools. Uh, he teaches a lot, guys. So we're, uh, we're honored to have him here. He's also a past board member of the AADSM, and I won't steal the thunder, but you did co author. Quintessence uh, handbook, uh, clinician's handbook, pardon me, uh, for dental sleep medicine. So I'll, I'll let you explain that here in a sec. But sure. uh, guys, we're, we're honored to have Steve here. Uh, he's uh, kind enough to give us his time. And uh, without further ado, I want to hand it over to you, Steve. So Great. Take it away. Go. Let's start this up. There we are. And so this is what we're going to talk about. Because uh, my expertise uh, starting in all those years ago was about making oral appliances for adults that breathe badly while they sleep. And it, I, so I'm pretty good at that by now. After all this time, I, I like the appliances that I use. I like matching them with the patients. But what I also realized is that we, our impact is limited when we pull the lower jaw forward. We can make the tongue get out of the back of the airway. We can tighten up the tissues. But one of the things we always want to make sure we do is help our patients realize the value of breathing through their nose. So what I've got for you tonight is I've got nine reasons why the nose is critical to making your oral appliances successful in managing your patients with obstructive sleep apnea. So it's not about the oral appliance, it's about the whole airway, it's about respiration, it's about breathing, it's about all of those things. And so we're gonna go through nine good reasons and give you some clinical tips things you can use every day in your practice. Uh, when you talk to your patients or when you uh, suggest another therapy, when you uh, consider what else could you do to make sure your airway therapy is successful for your adult patients. I'm very grateful for Awaken to Sleep, which is a fantastic way for you to learn about better ways to help your patients get through that, how to, how to integrate it into your office systems, how to, how to really make it work for you. Because when it works for you, it works for your patients and it works for your patients. They're going to breathe better at night and they're going to be healthier. They're going to come back to you and say, wow, doc, thank you so much for talking to me about this thing. I never expected to hear from the dental office. So Awaken to Sleep is a great way to do that, a great way to learn about that. And airway management, um, Dr. Keith Thornton invented the TAP appliances way back when. And Dr. Thornton and I have known each other for about 40 years now. And so he would reach out to his close people and say, man, Steve, you got to do more of this. This is exciting. And so I listened to that a long time ago and so grateful for that. And Dr. Thornton has uh, continued to mentor me along the way and his company is Airway Management. So it's a, you know, it's, a it's an enormous honor for me to be able to say that I'm the clinic, I'm the uh, director of education for Airway management. I just, I, I just, I'm, I'm, it thrills me to say that. Uh, Panky Institute, I'm highly biased towards Panky Institute. So if I say anything about Panky, I understand it's been part of my life since right after dental school graduation. And I think it's the best place for us to learn how to be great doctors, uh, not just dentists, but doctors as well. And so it's a, it's a wonderful place. And we teach sleep education down at Panky as well in a number of different forms. So if you want to learn about that, then go to panky.org and see about that. I'm, I'm honored to be a presenter at some other places and uh, I'm advising several companies in industry actually. Uh, Glidewell's one of those and some others. And so the key to it is, is that I think I have a way to 
orient us all towards what we can do best to help our patients from little kiddos on in through adulthood. The book is the only place you can go and take your money, put it in somebody else's pocket, and part of it ends up in my pocket. And I got to tell you that for every book that is sold, Dr. Burley and I, my co-author, uh, get to split $7.80. So I appreciate every $3.60 of um, I think as it is a, a residual I get from that book. So please buy lots of books. So that's that's the only place that money is a direct um, thing for me. Uh, I'll talk about appliances. I'll talk about products, none of which is, is a commercial issue for me at all. So there's my disclosures. Uh, I will tell you why am I on this uh, webinar tonight. So uh, Waking to Sleep is uh, the co-sponsor here. Uh, I have the blessing and pleasure of uh, own of whoo of opening that business uh, five and a half years ago and really truly feel like it's a calling. Uh, we wanna help everybody in dental do great work with their teams and their, their patients. So if uh, we can help you guys, we're happy to do it. That's why we put on events like this with great sponsors and great speakers. Uh, so I'm the, the founder dude, if you will, and uh, I've been in sleep medicine for 18 years myself. I've seen a few patients get helped uh, across that time, and I got to tell you, it's amazing uh, to hear those stories. So that's what we live for. It's what we operate for. And uh, CEs, again, stay on for the full hour. Hit the link. You'll get an email, and I'm out. Go ahead, Steve. Okay. Very good. So it's, here we are. Uh oh, Chad, I see me. I don't see my slides again. I got to do. It didn't. It worked in rehearsal, folks. So Steve, on. we we're good. We can see your slides. Uh, you can keep on going. All right. There we go. Now it works. So, guys, when we think about making oral appliances for our adult patients, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Is adult patients primarily? Tell the one little section here. But when we think about making our appliances for our patients, you know, it's just fantastic that every appliance we make. We put in place and the patients are so happy and they come back and wow it's fantastic and man we feel great don't we we think that we have the answer we have created a solution for our patients that is just you know couldn't be beat right is that how it works all the time well sometimes it doesn't they wear their appliance they tell us about wearing their appliance but gosh their report back to us is that their bed partner, their whatever solution that they're looking for isn't really successful. They don't feel great. They just, they don't like the appliance. There's something's wrong. They, they, it's not doing everything that we hope that they would do. So now we get depressed. We can say, wait a minute, what are we gonna do? Do we think about another appliance? Do we think about advancing it more? Do we think about changing up the device for some reason? Uh-oh, do we think that we should send them back to CPAP just because they come back and say that it's not quite working? Well, I want to remind you about something. The American Dental Association defines dentistry as being responsible for the oral cavity, the teeth, the gums, the jaw joints, all the things that we all know we do every day. But did you realize that in addition to that definition, they talk about the rest of the oral of the uh, body. They say that we're also responsible for adjacent and associated structures to the oral cavity and their effect on the rest of the human body. Really? So what's adjacent to the oral, oral cavity? Well, we have the back of the throat, so we can look back there and make an assessment for the malum patty that we know about if we've been trained in sleep medicine. We can look at the palatine tonsils, we can see if the uvula looks all beat up like a snorer's uvula often does. We can also ask them about breathing through the nose. That's an adjacent structure. Isn't the roof of the mouth the floor of the nose? Isn't breathing through the nose part of an airway therapy? Certainly it is. So if we consider the adjacent structure of the nose as part of our purview, now we can help our patients find a better pathway for breathing than through their mouth. Now, as dentists, of course, we don't want a mouth breathing because that dries out the tissue. It causes cavities. It exacerbates gum disease. It makes them feel terrible, all these bad things. But when we consider the value of res 
of respiration and properly done through the nose, it becomes even more important that we help our patients breathe through their nose. So it really is this phrase, it really is this plain, it really is this important that we help our patients breathe through their nose. So let's consider what the nine things are we're gonna do. Now we're gonna go through these in detail and I'll tell you about each one of them. But these are nine good reasons for us to think about the nose. So let's think about this. One thing is we gotta reconsider the airway. Remember it's a 3D airway. Now we're used to looking at the mouth. We remember maybe our anatomy lessons from back in the day. And we, I mean, when I was in dental school, we did a whole head and neck anatomy uh, lesson. We did gross anatomy a long, long time ago in my world. And I remember looking at the nose thinking, well, that's not teeth. Why, do I, why should I care? In dental school, we have no context. But now we're gonna be thinking about the nose. So we have to remember that that 3D anatomy has a big effect on the flow of air into the lungs, the ultimate goal that we wanna do. We understand if we've been trained in sleep apnea that we have a palate, we have a base of tongue that can close down the flexible oral pharynx. We can suck air into our lungs and cause a negative pressure that collapses the walls of those flexible tube we call the upper airway. But beyond that, we have a less flexible tube, a less flexible section, a part that doesn't change with pressure changes of respiration in the nose. That part of the upper airway is changes with tissue shape changes. That can happen in growth and development. It can happen in uh, response to allergies. It can happen in disuse. There's a whole a terminology called nasal disuse syndrome. So if you have patients who are habitually breathing through their mouth, they may not breathe through their nose just out of habit. They could breathe through their nose, but they don't. So we don't know why that would be, but one of the ways we can help our patients is to overcome a nasal disuse habit. Now, what happens if you don't use your nose or if you have these chronic allergies or you're, you have some other reason why that changes? Well, there's a mucus lining of our nose. That makes sense. It's on that tissue. There's cilia on that mucus lining that move the mucus around so it doesn't drip out of our nose. It actually ends up swallowing it normal physiologic function. If you don't breathe through your nose, nasal disuse syndrome causes a change in the nature of that mucus. There's different cells that come around and become more prominent. So the mucus thickens up. Don't use your nose, the mucus thickens up. And if the mucus thickens up, the cilia don't work as well. The cilia don't work as well. They don't send the right signals along. I'll tell you about that in a minute. And they also don't move that mucus into our throats and so it makes our airway less responsive. It makes it smaller. It makes it not able to clean the air the way it's supposed to. So we have to think 3D. We have to think about the anatomy up there in the nose. If it's been a while since you considered that anatomy, it's time to get the books out. Read a little bit about nasal physiology. I gotta tell you guys, I am so thrilled to be invited to this lecture because I am a total nose geek. I love how the nose works. I've thoroughly enjoyed learning about that. I think it's critically important that we think about it. And so it's uh, it's easy for me to study the nose, but for you guys, what you probably just need to do is remember what a turbine it is. Why does the nose function the way it functions? So think about the airway in three dimensions. Don't consider just the oral pharynx to be your purview. Don't think about what your mandibular advancement devices do as the endpoint for making sure the airway is open. They're critically important, but there's even ways to make sure your mandibular advancement devices promote good nasal breathing. So they're part of the therapy. What else is there? This to me is the, the most interesting thing possible. Well, maybe not the most interesting. Anyway, it's really interesting to me. Here's the deal. We have a the olfactory bulb. We all learned this in dental school, dental hygiene school, that that's where we register what we smell. Okay, it's very important that way. But something else that comes up is there are specialized cilia all through the nasal cavity that report not to the part of our brains that interpret what we're smelling, but those signals report to the limbic system. So this is a diagram I pulled off the 
off the, the, the um, uh, anatomy books that talks about limbic system structures. What's the limbic system? You know what that is. It's the, it's the hypothalamus, it's the amygdala, it's the, it's the uh, uh, thymus. It's the things that cause our brains to filter the kinds of signals that we get from the body, that we get from our senses, and sort them out into the right place in the cortex to interpret. For example, if you learn something, it goes into the amygdala, and then later the amygdala sorts out that memory and puts it in the right place for you to recall it later on. The hippocampus does, has a function that way too. If you get startled and you have fear, if you have a lot of emotions, that's part of the limbic system as well. So if we end up with a signal that's going to the limbic system from our nose, researchers have looked into, well, why is that? What does the limbic system need from our nose? Well, if we think about what the animal kingdom does, your dog, your cat, many other animals, they use their nose to assess their environment. And what most of those animals are doing is they're assessing for two things. Is what I'm smelling something I can eat or is it gonna try and eat me? That means that it's connected to the autonomic nervous system for survival. So if we breathe properly through our nose, the researchers are showing that it, it programs the limbic system to judge this area as safe. If we don't get that signal from our nose, then the limbic system goes into a heightened awareness state. So it upregulates our sympathetic nervous system, makes us more likely to respond to pain makes us less likely to remember things, makes us more likely to have a, a disruption in our breathing patterns. So nasal disuse syndrome also is limbic system disprogramming syndrome. It's not named that way, I just made that up. But what it does is it shows us that breathing through the nose is important for our brain health as well as every other part of our body. There you go. So that's something important I bet you hadn't thought of before. Now, the other thing that's really valuable about helping our patients understand how important breathing through their nose is, is it's really simple to have this conversation. It's easy for us to demonstrate to our patients what it's like to have a nice open airway or a closed airway. Now, I caution you that you don't ask your patients and expect a good answer to the question, well, how is it for breathing through your nose? Or is it easy to breathe through your nose? How do you do breathing through your nose? Everybody is used to the amount of work it requires to get air through their nose into their lungs. So they, as far as they know, it's fine. Now, sometimes your patients will tell you, oh, I can't breathe through one side or the other, or they'll tell you about like allergies and things and all the things that they do to fix that, all the problems that they have with chronic nasal congestion because of allergies. So that's that's important to know. And so you go through the history of, you know, what kind of products are they using? Are they take medications? Is there something that's effective for them, something that didn't work? You get a good history that way. Here's something that's interesting you can do if you want to use a cool little video or a visual for them, is take one of your intraoral mirrors that you use to take pictures of the occlusion when you're restorative practice, put it in the refrigerator, put it in the freezer and then bring it out and have, just put it under the nose and say, breathe out through your nose. And then you show them in a mirror how far the, 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 the uh, clouding goes. And if it's dramatically more on one side than the other side, well, that's a clue, that's a conversation piece. Is that scientifically important? Well, not so much, but you can use that in conjunction with your exam, with your history, with perhaps your comb beam x-ray that looks inside the nose. And you can say, wow, that left side just really doesn't work that well, does it? If that's the case for your patient. And they don't know that because they just breathe in. They don't think about left and right. But as you help your patients gather in the data that's critical for them, they will then in turn think more about that and they'll come back to you and say, you know what? I realize when I lay down and I'm laying on my right side, I can't breathe very well at all. And you say, well, yeah, your left side's plugged all the time. And when you lay down on your right side, the, sweat, the tissues in the right side of your nose swell up. And so no wonder you can't breathe that well. 
So it's all really important information that you can use to talk to your patients and help them own their problems. One of the things that is really extra uh, cool is your patients can benefit from some suggestions that you can provide them. We have some excellent resources on the, in the marketplace about nasal breathing, about breathing in general now. And the top one is breath in the middle, James Nestor. James is a medical uh, journalist. And what he did is he was actually studying free diving for another book he wrote. And as part of that, he had to learn how to hold his breath, how important the pattern of breathing was. So when he got through with that book, he continued his research and said, well, I need some breathing lessons. Took breathing classes. And the, the book Breath came out of that. You should read this. It's a, it's a wonderful story. It's an excellent way to learn more about that. James is actually being a very big uh, supporter of dentists being involved with this. He's helping us at a number of different levels. Super nice guy. And he's busy, but he's also wanting to help us. Dr. Peter Catalano, an ENT physician, and Dr. John Walker, an orthodontist, got together and they wrote a wonderful book about adults and kids about nasal breathing. And it does very well at explaining nasal disuse syndrome and some other things like this. And then brand new, I mean, just, just released, our, the world's best breathing coach, Patrick McCown from Ireland, has just released his latest book. It's got eight books before called The Breathing Cure. Now, honestly, folks, I just got this in. I, I, I love Patrick McCown. I've read all of his other books. I own all of his other books. This one came in to me on Monday, so I can't wait to crack it and start reading it. It's a big book, but it's going to be thoroughly uh, investigated and very practical if it's like any of his other books. So you, you should read these in your for your practice, and you can hand out the smaller book, like Understanding Nasal Breathing, to some of your colleagues, your dentists that you want to refer to you, perhaps. Any, any patient in your practice that's breathing badly that you want to help out, suggest that they pick up Breath. It's an excellent book. Have them go to their independent bookstore and buy Breath. Jeff Bezos does not need more of our money, um, and our local bookstores do. There's my little soapbox. Sorry. <laughs> so they breathe through their nose. What's the first thing you see when you look at their nose? Well, nares is one word for it. External nasal valve is the anatomic reason. Uh, word for that. There's actually an internal nasal valve as well. You don't have to concern yourself with that one near so much, although that's affected by breathe right strips and these, these nose cone issues. So the external nasal valve is supported nicely in a couple of different ways. One is, is you can use a prop and props take the form of these and many other ways to use this. Max Air nose cones or medical grade devices that are used actually in ENT offices after surgeries. Mutes, uh, sleep right, breathe aids, there's dozens of other supports in the market for your patients just to spread the external nasal valve. Now, there's a, there's a physics aspect to this because if you open a space, then the flow of a fluid through that space changes to the fourth power of the radius of that space. What does that mean? That means if you open up the external nasal valve a little bit, then it's so much easier to breathe through that open space. And so your patients will immediately feel the difference if you give them one of these two, these, these, uh, these devices, a max airs, a mutes, breathe right strips, whatever you want to use. You can have your patients demonstrate that effectiveness by doing the caudal maneuver on them. Now, you, you might remember what a caudal maneuver is, but you can demonstrate on yourself right now, take your fingers right about the middle of your nose and just simply spread sideways, just pull your nose sideways. Take a breath. Notice how much easier it is to breathe through your nose when you can pull your nose open like that. That's the internal nasal valve, by the way. And if you can do this and your patient says, wow, that's, that's way different. Well then, we have something we can do to help you about help you with that. Breathe right strips work fine. The only problem with breathe right strips for a lot of patients is the glue starts to affect their nose and so or their skin over their nose. So they don't really like that. That's where uh, Max Air nose cones came in and the other ones to, uh, to support it from the inside. It actually does a job on the internal nasal valve as well. 
Now, the rest of it comes with pressure changes. So I'm a giant fan of xylitol. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. So we use a, a spray, a saline spray, not medication at this point. You can, but you can use a saline spray with xylitol in it to open up that external nasal valve just by changing the way the mucus lies around that valve and how um, the fluid flow of air works against that tissue. So my two favorites are Clear. It's a, it's a company that uses xylitol and, and saline. And then Neomed is another company that has a lot of products that we can use uh, for kids and adults. And they have a xylitol rinse and they also have a xylitol spray. So you can go to Neomed and you can look at those and see which ones might work for you. And you, those are both generally available at the biggest pharmacies as well. You can also order them online. So helping your patients change an anatomic defect. One thing you can use to test them, and I can't demonstrate for you, is if you can have them close their mouth and sniff through their nose. Well, there's an external, uh, external nasii uh, muscle that keeps the nasal valve open in the presence of negative pressure unless it doesn't. And so you can have patients that can collapse their nose just by sniffing in. Most patients, the muscle expands the nose in response to that pressure change. Sometimes it doesn't work and it just collapses the nose. Those people can really benefit from an external nasal valve support. Inside the nose, in that mucus, is a microbiome. No surprise there. But what we use xylitol for inside the nose is different than what we use it for in the mouth, and it's different than what we use it for in the kitchen. In the kitchen, it's a sweetener. In the mouth, it has a similar effect to the nose. It helps us fight cavities. How does it do that? It changes the adhesive of, uh, ability of strep pneumoni in the nose and strep mutans in both places. And those bacteria are the ones that help cause reactions in tissues or sugar production in the mouth. So if we make the bacteria less adhesive, they can't form the kind of colonies that change the tissues or allow the byproducts of bacterial function to produce acids to attack the teeth. So xylitol rinses in the mouth, xylitol toothpaste, xylitol intake, xylitol sprays in the nose, change the microbiome over time and doesn't hurt, hurt anything. And we allow our patients to have an easier time of controlling um, things they don't think about. What does that mucus look like? It does also enhance immunity in the nose. And so your patients with a lot of allergies, they can benefit from a simple xylitol rinse. You can also use uh, medications here. So you can prescribe powerful medications. You can tell them to go to Costco and get generic uh, Flonase or generic um, Nasacort. So simple little steroids you can either prescribe or you can have them go just pick it up off the shelf and use it to decrease the kind of response in the nose that causes the mucus to thicken up or the tissues to respond and swell up. So th all of those are tools that you can use to make sure that it's easier and easier to breathe through the nose. But what if we can't get everything done? What if there's a soft tissue part that needs to be changed? What if there's a relatively hard tissue part like the nasal septum. You might discover taking a comb beam that your the nasal septum is bent over to one side. You're going to see this a lot in your sleep patients as adults. Why? Because the kinds of people that get diagnosed for sleep apnea are commonly folks with a structural defect of their cranial facial respiratory complex. Long words saying the bony support of the soft and hard tissues that surround our airway. If the maxilla is narrow because of all the reasons it gets narrow, then the roof of the palate goes up. When the roof of the palate goes up, then the middle of the nose, as it's growing in, doesn't have enough space to make that totally right, okay. And so if the middle of the nose is squished right here, then the septum has no place to go except sideways. And so it bends over to one side or the other. There can be other things that go on. You're not gonna fix that with a nose cone. You're not gonna fix that with a xylitol spray. So if you discover 
that your patients are not successful in getting their airway open and in conjunction with your 3D evaluation, either looking up in the nose or using a comb beam, then that there is a structural problem that only the otolaryngologist can, can change, then you need to find an otolaryngologist. Well, they're, they are on our side. They are not sleep physicians, most of them, there's a few. What they do understand is that their role in helping people breathe is very similar to ours. We don't, neither one of us diagnose sleep-related breathing disorders. We, they can, we can't. But what they tend to do is say, look, we can't fix sleep apnea with a septum surgery, not even a palate surgery. We can rarely correct fully sleep apnea, but we can make all the other treatments go better. So we can make oil appliances work better. We can make CPAPs work better. We can make all kinds of things work better. And of course, they do the Inspire uh, implant surgery as well, a different subject to talk about. But if we have our patients who are struggling with nasal breathing, and we know that there's an anatomic problem, and the simple non-invasive things we've tried, like our oral appliances, like our Breathe Right strips, like our saline sprays, aren't really working, well, now it's time to send them to an airway-oriented otolaryngologist. Most of them know about this, but not all of them are understanding about oral appliances or the other things that we've done. So reach out in your community, find an otolaryngologist, and, and start talking with them about sending patients to them about this. And by the way, can I help you understand, or is there anything, you, questions you have about using mandibular advancement devices to open the airway for sleep-related breathing disorders? And you'll find some that are quite interested in being partners with you. They turn, to be, they turn out to be fantastic partners, much more so than I have found sleep physicians. I like sleep physicians just fine. But otolaryngologists, we're working together. We're kind of on the same side. And so it's a, it's a good partnership to have. And it's actually quite necessary in any practice that's going to treat any form of sleep-related breathing disorder. I can't not talk about kids. Because when these patients grow up, if they haven't formed good habits of breathing through their nose, well, then it's going to be tough to overcome. We use our myofunctional therapist partners for some of this. And if the kids have bad habits as little ones, while those bones are growing, then that bone is not going to be shaped correctly. I mentioned the maxilla can be too narrow. This comes from mouth breathing. So as you are working with your adult patients to make sure they're breathing well, talk to them about whether they have little kids, little kids in the single digit ages. If they do, then those bones that surround the airway in the mouth, the cranial facial respiratory complex, according to Kevin Boyd, those, those little bones are being formed. They're being shaped by habits. They're being shaped by how the child uses their nose how they use their tongue, how they use their lips, how they swallow, how they bite, all the things that happen are all um, influences on how that maxilla is shaped. And the maxilla drives that airway complex. The mandible follows along, but we gotta get the maxilla in the right spot. So if you're gonna be a airway doctor, if you're gonna help your adult patients with mandibular advancement devices, if you're gonna make sure that you're paying attention to noses, you also have to make sure that the little ones in your circles, whether you treat them or whether you just talk about them to their parents, make sure that they're breathing through their nose all of the time. Little kids should never breathe through their mouth. Now, if they have a cold, sure. If they have an allergy, yes, but let's make sure the allergy gets addressed. It's because it's critically important that that nose breathing uh, creates the right kind of pathways in the limbic system creates the right kind of pathways in the shape of the maxilla as it grows in. So these are terrible, these are pictures of kids at risk. All these kids, I don't care what else is happening to them, they're at risk for having problems just based on how they breathe. Now, combination therapy is sometimes what it takes to make this all happen. So I told you to pay attention to the MyTap in the other picture. Look at the MyTap here. Do you notice the difference? Do you see something else that's on that MyTap? That MyTap has a silicone cover. It covers the stick that's out front, which is the adjuster section of the MyTap, if you're unfamiliar. 
and it goes under the lips. It's really hard to take a picture of a clear silicone thing on a white background, guys, sorry about that. Uh, and so what you can pick up from this picture is that there's a silicone flange that goes in front of the MyTap. I love MyTaps. I've loved MyTaps ever since Dr. Thornton invented MyTaps. I think they're fantastic for a lot of reasons. When he came up with a silicone cover that goes under the lips and blocks off the mouth as a vector for breathing, I thought this was genius because it makes everybody into an obligate nose breather. So with a MyTap, you can help them with a mandibular advancement position because it's a in-your-office, precision-made, customized device. And then, so they can move their jaw forward, but then you can add the silicone cover and make sure they're a nose breather and you get to test many different vectors for therapy all at one time. The other thing that can, you can use is that the airway technologies can supply is a tap pap. So sometimes CPAPs are just necessary. The, we, the patient needs it to keep the airway open. Nothing wrong with that. I love CPAPs if they would work for everybody. So what Dr. Thornton came up with is the tap pap. And you can make this a couple different ways. You can have it where you mold a what looks like the top of a MyTap and it connects to nasal pillows. Here's our nose again. So you can help your patient have a uh, non-movable nasal breathing interface for their CPAP. Many times they come in and say, well, you know, CPAP is, makes me feel better when I keep the nose, the thing on, but it moves around my face. Well, the combination therapy of a forward jaw position and nasal pillows like this can be magic for that particular patient. So you should have that as a, as a means of helping. Not everybody's gonna need this, but they can. The other thing you can do is you can use something like a MyTap and you can put that underneath a full face mask of their CPAP, and that can also oftentimes make a big difference. Unlike really any other type of interim device, that silicone shield keeps the pressure from a CPAP from poofing out through the mouth, another common complaint of CPAPs. So if you have your patient who says, I'm okay with my CPAP, my nasal mask, but my air escapes from my mouth, it dries out my mouth, makes a lot of noise, just make them a MyTap and put a silicone cover there and you'll be golden and a hero and they get their airway open and they love it and they feel they love you because you gave them a solution for their problem. Because really, it never really is just one therapy. It's always a combination of therapy. You always have to consider that the nose is for breathing and the mouth is for the other stuff. And when you can convince your patients that that's the actual thing that they need to do, then you're gonna be a hero for them because they'll feel great. And you're also gonna be a good doctor because you're paying attention to not just the dentist things we're trained in, but you're also paying attention to the medical things that are affect the tissues next door, the tissues that we're responsible for, the tissues that we are have as part of our overall um, scope of practice. And so that's really important that we consider that this combination therapy is what's necessary. Now, the, I want to tell you a little bit about the benefits of the TAP sleep care system. This is a bit of the commercial side of things, but it's really about uh, how you can be effective here. And so the um, value of the TAP system is, like I said, you have these silicone covers. That mouth shield option is the magic of these things. It's the nose breathing enhancement. But it also goes along with some other major benefits. When you have your patients with their jaws uh, forward, they, they don't want to be locked into one place. They don't want to have to worry about can they move their jaw, jaw joint bones and, and TM joints need to move a little bit. So my patients really enjoy having the ability to just kind of hang their lower jaw forward on a hook like the uh, tap system gives them. And they can move left and right from side to side. You don't have to worry about uneven advancements. It's kind of an unlimited amount of advancement, so you can really um, uh, titrate your patients in just fine for this. But that midline traction, that midline pull is just a big advantage for you to be able to provide precision medicine for your patients. 
it gives you a chance to be very, very flexible. You can take any of the TAP system products, MyTAP, DreamTAP, TAP3, and you can add a silicone cover to the front of any of them. There's no other appliance on the marketplace that allows you to seal up the mouth with a removable, soft, easy to modify, super easy to keep clean and healthy uh, silicone cover that makes your patient a mouth, a nose breather. That is, that's unique. And so, powerful. If you want to make your patients breathe through their nose, make them breathe through their nose. And the other thing we tell patients all the time is, the more you breathe through your nose, the better you breathe through your nose. And that's physiologic. When you breathe well through your nose, the tissue response changes, the mucus changes, and the cilia work, and now we have an open, clearer airway passage. It's what our bodies are meant to do. So if we do that properly, we have our patients quite super successful in making sure they can breathe well through their nose. So Mike, let's answer some questions. You there? I am. Hey. Yes. My mic just came back on. Pardon Excellent. the fun. We have a lot of questions. Uh, okay. so I'm gonna I'm gonna run through them as quick as I can. Uh, thank you guys for being interactive tonight. And uh, Steve, I uh, I don't know if you saw me, but I hopped in there a couple of slides ago, like, and then you moved on uh, before cool. I could get it out. So the first question is with the MyTap and the combination therapy with CPAP, um, with a full face mask, do you need to trim the MyTap? Can you trim the little post that comes out or can you just wear the MyTap and wear the full face on top of it? Well, generally, there's room in a full face mask in front of the lips for the patient to be able to be comfortable so the lips don't run into the mask. So oftentimes, if you're using the MyTap, you have to trim the, the post way back to the where the little nut is. And so, so you do have to trim it back oftentimes, yeah. Okay, great. And then uh, the, the next question was about the uh, mouth shields. So you ran through that really quick. I know you can use them with more than just the MyTap. Could you give us that list of appliances that you can use them with? Sure, the DreamTap and the Tap3, the, the full-on custom devices that are available from Airway Technologies, uh, Airway Labs, uh, and you know, the, and their, their lab partners as well. But the Tap3 and the DreamTap have an anterior midline hook, and that hook is fixed in place with two little tiny screws. Well, they, they came up with a genius thing. You take out those two little tiny screws, screw in two other little tiny posts, and the silicone cover, which is the mouth shield, just snaps over the top of those posts. And so it's super easy for a patient to go back and forth as they get used to breathing through their nose. So they can put the shield in, breathe through their nose. If they feel like it's a little too much for tonight, they just pop it right back out. Easy to do, back and forth. Got it. Um, cool. So another one um you had talked about using mouth tape uh we got a few different questions i'm going to try to summarize them uh so first one is uh what brand and is somnifix a recommended brand to you so yeah. I'll, I'll let you do that one first sure the, we, we just use real simple 3m's micropore paper tape we get it, it costs about 75 cents a roll from uh from some company that you know, it's popular to order from online. And uh, and so you can get it in boxes that way. 3M's Micropore paper tape, three quarter inch or one inch works really well. You can get it two inch if you want to cover the whole mouth, it's fine. Somnifix is great. They just kind of pre-cut it for you. Works really well, but it's not, it's not a dissimilar product and just weigh out the cost. We actually get those rolls of 3M Micropore tape and just hand them out to patients because it costs us so little to make that happen. Mm. So there's nothing wrong with lip tape. If you're using an appliance that doesn't have a mouth shield option, then lip tape is fantastic to use. You show them how to use it and how you do that. If you don't, if you haven't seen this before, I don't have one to show you, but a little piece of tape and fold over the ends. And so it's got a non-sticky end and they put it vertically. They can put it horizontally, whichever works for them. And that way with that non-sticky end, they can just grab it and peel it off anytime they want. So they feel less uh, tight in, more, in, more, less insecure about that. Got it. And um, what's the youngest age that you would recommend mouth taping? Do you use that for pediatric patients or only adults? Well, I get to, I get to 
to deflect that question by saying I don't see little kids in my practice. But my pediatric, my pediatric, if I did, and my pediatric colleagues, they 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 carefully instruct the parents about what can be done about that. And yeah. it's the parents that have to decide if they're comfortable or not. Now, there's never been a, a, a cause of any kind of hurt of any kid using lip tape. And so I doubt if there's any risk factors there, but you're not gonna be able to do anything until you convince mom that it's really worth the, the, the effort. So I really gotta get mom lip taping first. And there's actually whole families out there that everybody lip tapes. One of my pediatric dentists is talking in, in Chicago. She, uh, she and her whole family, nasal clear and lip tape all the time. That sounds like a really good road trip rule about the like four or five hour mark when people are starting to get cranky. Uh, <laughs> you know, everybody's going to take a nap. We're going to lip tape. practice their lip taping now. That's right. Yeah. Fringe benefit. Um, okay. So uh, another question uh, completely separate from mouth taping. Uh, how can we ensure sufficient nasal patency for OIT patients, oral appliance therapy patients? And uh, what are some of the definite signs of mouth breathing? Yeah, sure. So uh, how do you ensure complete nasal patency? Well, actually, you don't have to worry too much about that because the body automatically adjusts the effort of the diaphragm and the breathing muscles to pull the air through the space that it's given. So in other words, if you have a small space, it'll work harder. When it works harder, unfortunately, it also has more negative pressure and collapses the flexible parts uh, more, more vigorously. So the more you open the nasal airway, the better and the better they're going to breathe. So the the um, uh, so you don't have to coach them on this. Although breathing exercise may be helpful later on, uh, what we want to think about is um, what we want to think about is what was the other side of that question, Mike? It was uh, nasal patency and uh, and so you help nasal patency with uh, with the sprays with the with the supports like the Max Air nose cones or the Breathe Right strips or those yep. kind of things. That's how you help nasal patency? Yeah, and the the second part was uh, signs of mouth breathing. Oh yes, thank you. Signs of mouth breathing. Well, I, I tell you a story. I, I saw these little kids in my practice when I was restorative dentist, and I remember telling little kids, "Wow, how do you not brush your upper front teeth gums and let them get that red and swollen looking when all your back teeth gums look fine?" So I assumed they weren't brushing their teeth. Well, that's not the case. If you see a child or an adult with bright red maxillary anterior gums, they are mouth breathing. If they tell you about dry mouth, now that's caused by a lot of things like medications, but if they are mouth breathers at nighttime, their mouth would be super dry. And so it's really just a history. What do you, what do you observe? If they have a lot of wear on their teeth, they may be tooth grinders, but dry mouths wear down teeth uh, hugely faster than mm -hmm. wet mouths do. Got it. Um, and then on the, on the note of the nasal sprays, uh, Amy asked, uh, can a neti pot be used in place of a saline spray and how often would you recommend that it be used? Sure, there's a lot of people in my practice that use a neti pot daily, uh, just before bedtime. So uh, Neomed, for example, they have neti pots, the little pour-in ones, the little pots look like a teapot and you pour it in your nose. They also have squeeze bottles and uh, this, and so does Clear, actually. So those two companies both have squeeze bottles and I like them better. So I recommend that people do that every day. My friend Todd says, look, we clean every other orifice of our body. How come we don't clean our nose? And so we, if we clean our nose with a simple saline spray and get in that habit, it becomes super easy. It's nothing to do. And um, and with the xylitol, it even has a little bit of a sweet flavor to it. So it becomes just a routine. Yeah. Got it. And squeeze bottles are easy. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add a, a personal aside to that. I use a Hydro Pulse. Uh, oh, yeah. So if you don't like the, the squeeze bottles, you can, a little bit more expensive than the squeeze bottles, but it'll do the job. It's like the Binford 5000 from Tool Time, if anybody's uh, on here that remembers that. Uh, it's it's got a motor. It'll shoot the water up, and it's really good. Just make sure you're over the sink for sure. The water uh, pick through your nose is what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. On that note, let's uh, let's transition back to the questions, Steve, because we still do have some more. Um, you guys, if if you want to hang out, uh, we'd love to keep you here. Uh, if you need to get going, we totally understand. Um, 
one of the questions is, can an ENT diagnose sleep apnea on a sleep study? Uh, yes, they can. Their, their license allows them to do that. Now, there are a few EMTs that are board certified in sleep medicine. They've taken the other fellowship as well. The only problem that ever comes up, and it rarely ever comes up, is if you have an insurance company that's so restrictive that they require a board certified sleep physician to do that. Medicare is one of those. And yeah. so uh, the ENTs are going to be of varying levels of comfort with that. Usually the only ones that will, will, will do a, a diagnosis, they already know that they're trained. So it's not yeah. a question in your mind. It's just a question of when you come talk to the ENTs. Yep. Yep, exactly. Uh, next one is, uh, can you use both xylitol and a steroid together? Absolutely. Two different functions. So what I recommend is that the patients use the steroids, not at bedtime, because the steroids have a different effect and they affect 24-7 based on, uh, it's not really a surface effect, let's say it that way. And the uh, um, the rinses are a surface effect. And so, I, I, in other words, I don't put the the Flonase in and then squirt saline in and rinse it all out. Don't do that. But you can do Flonase an hour before bedtime and then the, the saline just before bedtime. I do like the saline spray just before they go to sleep because it lubricates all the tissues nicely. Got or it. The, or the uh, neti pot or the squeeze bottle, whatever you're doing that way. Got it. Uh, Stan hopped back on and he said, hey, thank you so much. His wife started with an AHI of 15. He was the first one that got her down to a four yeah. uh, with the MyTap. So that's awesome Good. news, Stan. Good news, Stan. Congratulations. Um, what is your opinion about the Navarre or Navari? Navari. Not sure I know what that means. Navari. It was a typo. Navage. Navage. Don't know what that is either. Is it, <laughs> if that's another rinse, then all rinses are good as long as they're saline. By the way, I didn't say this earlier. Make sure that your patients use distilled water or boiled water in their neti pots or their squeeze bottles. Critically important. We actually had a patient, in, not my patient, a woman in Seattle two years ago who died because she used tap water and got an infection. So uh, wow. if Navage is some kind of a mechanism or a, or, or a, or a, like a squeeze bottle, fine. You know, whatever you want to use to keep the nose open is good. Sorry, awesome. I don't know the answer to that one. No, it's good. Um, my taps, how much do they cost? Oh, put a hundred dollars in your head. You know, it's about that much plus or minus depending on how many you buy, I think. Yep. I thought, yeah, I thought they were 99 plus shipping or something like that. Yeah. Cool. Um, could you, uh, I, I know you went over it on one of the, the last slides, but um, somebody's asking about multiple different appliances, the push versus the pull, the fin versus the, the anterior uh, screw. Could you hit that again real quick? Sure. Uh, and the answer I always like to uh, preface that, a question like that is, uh, is, is that, What's my favorite appliance? And my favorite appliance is always the one the patient's going to accept and use. So uh, a few years ago, I had, a, I had a, a, a day where I was sitting in my office and somebody came in and said, well, I've heard about these oral appliances. And I I'm heard that there's one that will keep my mouth shut. Because with my CPAP, I have to use a chin strap. I don't want to use a chin strap. Do you have an oral appliance that will keep my mouth shut? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I do. And I have a tap appliance. Let me see, show you this little hook mechanism here. Somebody else came in and says, well, I've heard about these oral appliances, but I'm petrified of having my mouth locked together. Do you have anything that allows me to open my mouth easily? And I said, as a matter of fact, I do. And I showed them a, a device that would allow them to open their mouth easily. So we have to meet our patients where they are. Yeah. Now, we're scientists and we're doctors, so we have to also make sure we give them a, a, a device that's going to be effective. So we don't let an initial bias stop us from thinking, wow, this person rolls over on their back and they have terrible apnea on their back. Well, I have a device that'll make sure their bite doesn't, their jaw doesn't fall backwards by connecting it with a little hook to the front, to the upper teeth, like a dream tap. I have another device choice. It has a wings on the side that aren't really connected at all. And the lower jaw can slide right off those wings and end up causing a problem for the airway. 
So which one would I choose if I have a patient whose sleep test shows us that their breathing is much worse on their back? It would be the one that hooks in the front. So we have to use the effective appliances as well. Now the dorsal designs, of, there's a bunch of them out there. They're not bad devices. They can work for lots of people, but you have to be careful which, to understand the um, nuances of a few appliances. When I teach the course, it's about the workshop course where I talk about all these different appliances. I make sure we talk about different nuances of each one because each one is applicable to an individual group of patients. We don't have a universal device. There is no device that works for everybody anywhere on the marketplace at this point. Got it. Um, thank you for that. Uh, how do you have how do you initiate the conversation or the discussion about the importance of nasal breathing? Ah. Well, one thing you can do is you can say, um, especially to a kid, but even to an adult, especially if you notice some mouth breathing, put your lips together and breathe through your nose for three minutes. If you can breathe through your nose for three minutes without strain, well, that's one thing. If you can't do that, that's another thing. And then the other thing I always tell patients is um, uh, if you have any allergies, if you know that you have any breathing issues, then just try this nasal spray. It's super easy. It's not expensive. It doesn't cause any problems. The other thing we do is when the patients come in and say, well, you know, I'm still snoring. I'm having trouble with this. It's not working for me. Say, okay, we've tried the, the most non-invasive thing we can do, which is holding your jaw forward. Now we got to step it up just a wee bit and give you a medication like a, like a nasal cord to use and a spray. So we're going to make your life just a little bit more complicated by asking you to spray this in your nose every night. So we, we ease up the ladder as we uh, help the patients see that it takes a while sometimes to resolve all of these sleep-related breathing disorders. It's not an overnight thing. Anyway, they didn't get to be a bad breather last night. They're not going to be a great breather tomorrow night after you deliver your appliance today. It's going to take a while for the body to reset. So you have a chance to work with your patient to find out what's best for them. Dr. Pankey said this a long time ago. He said, you got to get to know your patient and allow them to tell you what's going on. You have to know your works, you know how to apply your knowledge, know, know which devices you can use and which tools are at your fingertips. And you apply your knowledge by, by giving the patient what seems to be the right thing for them at the right time. Not always a formula, not always, it's a thinking person's game. Got it. Um, speaking of a thinking person's game, uh, when is it time to refer out to an ENT for turbinate surgery? When, when they just can't get their nose to work as well as it should, or if you see, take, say, a comb beam, for example, and it says, well, this is completely plugged. Well, you're, gonna, you're fighting uphill if you think you're going to fix the oropharynx if they can't breathe through their nose because the turbinates are just giant. And they, and they don't take out turbinates anymore. They just shrink them. Yeah. Well, um, gosh, I think we got all of them here. Great. Yeah, we did. Steve? Thank you so much. Any uh, any any parting nuggets? No, just doctors be, you know, dentists be good doctors. Don't limit yourself to what you think you're supposed to do with the oral cavity. Do a great job there because we're the only ones that can do a great job in oral cavity, but we also need to help our patients by not having them be nasal disuse uh, patients. We got to make sure they can breathe well. We got to work with our otolaryngology colleagues, our sleep medicine colleagues, our primary care doctor colleagues to make sure that we're really being part of a good team. No one part of healthcare can fix sleep related breathing disorders all by itself. No one. So we always have to work in combination with our colleagues. And, um, and so that's fun, though. It's part of the professional challenge. It is the, the uh, delivery of sleep apnea care. So good for you. Thank you for being here. I appreciate your time and, 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 uh, and I love doing this. There's my email address. Please email me with questions. I, I love to answer questions and help you out. Yeah. And I, I will say, guys, I, I saw one other question come in about the books, the list of books, uh, Steve, that you mentioned. If somebody emails you here, you could. Uh, oh, here we go. We're going back here. to the slide. Good. That's Thank just three you. of them. Don't forget Sleep Wrecked Kids. Sleep Wrecked Kids. Everybody needs that book. Sleep Wrecked Kids. Awesome. Yep. And uh, I'll, I'll give one last shout out uh, to Airway Management. Uh, we appreciate you guys for sponsoring this. 
And uh, guys, if you learned a lot tonight, uh, show some love on uh, social media or however you do that. Uh, thank them for tonight. And uh, it's been a blessing and a, and a privilege being with you. So uh, if, we, if we can serve you or uh, answer any questions, let us know. Thanks, Mike. This yep. was fun. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this webinar. If you'd like more information on dental sleep medicine education, coaching, or home sleep testing services, please feel free to reach out to us at awakenasleep.com forward slash edu or at info at awaken number two sleep.com. Thank you and have a great day.